Welcome to Chapter One with Houston Public Library, where we give you just enough story to get you hooked. This episode features Beasts and Beauty, Dangerous Tales by Soma Chinani, read by Kristen. This title is intended for tweens and is suitable for most audiences. Recorded with permission of HarperCollins. Red Riding Hood On the first day of spring, the wolves eat the prettiest girl. They warn the town which girl they want, slashing the door to her house and urinating on the step. No one sees the wolves, just as no one sees the dew before it stops the grass. As winter wanes, the town thinks the curse broken, seduced by the mercy of spring. But then the marking comes. Sometimes a few weeks before she will be eaten, sometimes a few days, for wolves decide on a prey in their own time. But once a girl is chosen, she is theirs. Neither child nor family can appeal. On the eve of spring, the wolves howl for their meal, and the town marshals her to the edge of the forest and sends her in. Failed to deliver her, and worse things will come than the loss of a pretty girl, though no one knows what these things could be. Soon the second howl echoes from the forest's belly. Quieter, sated, the wolf's work done. The people disperse, the girl forgotten, a price to pay for time unfettered. But spring lurks, another year gone. Houses shudder, despite the haze of sunset, the sweet riot of blooms. A mother and father sit, lips cracked, nails torn, watching the girl as she gnaws the last meat off a bone, her russet hair dipping in the juice, circling her plate. They didn't think she'd be trouble, born with spindly limbs, a pig nose, and peasant brown skin, a muddy reflection of her makers. They were sure they'd have her for life, but beauty, like wolves, takes time to settle on its choice. A slow, cold horror seeding in a mother's heart. The girl's eyes deep into sapphires. Her skin shines like honey. Her neck unfurls with the imperiousness of a swan. Still, the mark on the door surprises her. She was ordinary too long. Beauty came like a malady. She hangs nothing on it like its paint to peel off. To die for such a trifle? Stupid beasts. She doesn't bother with fear. Virtue is on her side. She reaches for the knife on the table, the one her father used to cut her meat. The steel teeth slaver as she wipes it clean, grease spotting the cape she's knitted for the occasion. Red as blood, bright as fire. She's asking for it, wearing that in a forest. But there is no hiding from wolves. Might as well make it quick. The knife heavies in her hand. Where to keep it? I need a basket for grandmother, she announces. Her mother says nothing. Her father keeps eating. Grandmother's house is across the river, the girl says. I'll send word once I'm safe. Her mother gets up, holds her breath as she collects hard rolls, soggy fruit, acrid cheese. The father gives his wife a look, food wasted on a futile mission. But there's no arguing, not tonight. Besides, his daughter is as stubborn as his wife's mother, the kind of woman who expects a basket from a guest, even one running from wolves. The sun douses with angry flares, a flame snatched in a fist. The wolves howl from the forest. It is the first time the girl feels scared. Until now, she thought she would beat them somehow. Human against animal, good against evil. But it is their song that stirs her, a dirge of self-pity as if they cannot help themselves. They are prisoners of their nature, and goodness is no weapon against the possessed. Even so, she enters the forest calm. The town brings her to the brink, every last man, woman, child, and they wait as she goes, hands clasped, as if praying for her soul. In truth, they are there to stop her from running back. Her slippers crackle over twigs, a tentative path opening before her, the lane of girls sent to die. She remembers these girls, born beautiful, born marked, skulking furtively about town, avoiding the eyes of those that would sacrifice them. 
They know these sisters. Long before the wolves came, they knew they were meat. The path narrows, trees snatching at her. She's used to paths closed off. It's not just the beauties who suffer. The other girls are tainted by the wolves, too. The girls who weren't picked, boys rake through them like leftovers. It's why any girl who marries one cleans up after him without complaint. She's lucky to be alive, they tell her in their grunts and growls. Lucky her beauty isn't worthy of beasts. Her mother was one of these, plucked from the scrap heap. The girl saw it in her father's face. All men spend their lives yearning for the one they can't have. The girl devoured by wolves. Now they're trapped with second best. It's why her father is never happy. She would have married a boy much the same. Not now, though. Whatever happens from here, her life will be different. But a different life comes with a price. It takes walking the path between life and death. The knife lies hidden in the basket, a silver twinkle in her eye. Let them come. Just like that, they prowl out of darkness like fog, clouding the path where it ends. A tribe of formless shadows, like genies summoned to a wish. But it is their eyes that give them away, ruthless yellow crescents as old as time. She raises the red hood of her cape like armor, backs up. Moonlight traps her, the forest torch. They circle. Boys in breeches of black leather, their chests bared, their forearms taut with veins. For a moment, she thinks this is all a ruse that there were never wolves, only boys marking a girl for themselves, a girl to run with their rebel tribe, a princess for wayward princes. But now she sees their lips coated with drool, the trail of hair down their bellies. She smells the feral musk. This is the problem with wolves. They are tricksters, shapeshifters that draw you close. Killing you is not enough. They want to play with you first. Your choice, speaks one of the boys, dark skulled and long in the tooth. His words are wet, yet plaintive somehow, an unusual plea. Then she sees the hunger in his eyes, and all their eyes. Now she understands. She must choose which wolf will eat her. That is the game. Play along, she thinks. Survival comes not in resistance to the game, but in winning it. She takes her time, evaluating each, while her hand slides into the basket, feeling for the knife, her eyes roving up and down their lean, famished ribs, as if they've starved the whole year for this moment but there is one who is different. He, the leader of the pack, hidden in the shadows, arms crossed, chest full, the one who isn't famished at all, who frankly looks bored. He has pearl-white skin and dark, unruly curls, like he's Cupid himself, his beauty still unmatched by the others that he knows he will be picked, just as he has always been picked before. But there is no conquest in this, his eyes say. He sees the ugly duckling inside her, beauty found instead of earned. She won't taste as good because of it. Pick someone else, he's telling her. He's had his fill, but is no use, for he is beauty incarnate, which is why he knows she will choose him. And she does. Go, he tells the others. They whine, but do not bite, limping to the trees. They'll have the scraps, he tells her. She is alone with him now. He looks her over, the cold yellow eyes warm to gold, his pale cheeks fleck pink. With the other boys gone, he's considering her anew. He stands erect. Saliva slops his mouth. Then he sees her hand in her basket. She squeezes the knife. Either he hasn't spotted it, or he isn't bothered. Be my guest, he says. Eat your little picnic. Fatten yourself up. You'll only taste better. It's for my sister, she replies. She lives across the river, with grandmother. His ears twitch. River's past our territory. Don't know the girls who live out there, he admits. Nothing but skin and bones, I bet. Not true, the girl sighs. My sister's more beautiful than I. The dots of pink in his cheeks expand. Younger or older? Younger. Across the river? Where? She chuckles. As if I'd tell you that. 
He lunges, snatches her by the throat. Your grandmother's house. Where is it? Blood rims his eyes, foam flying off his lip. Tell me. Or what? You'll eat me? Says the girl. You're already going to do that. He lifts her off the ground, over his dripping jaws as if he'll swallow her in one gulp. But it's not she that he's dripping for. Tell me and I'll let you free. She considers this. And your friends? They'll follow me the moment I go. You run back home and kiss mommy daddy. Now tell me before I change my mind. She pauses. Wolves lie. So do girls too big for their britches. He snarls, his claws cutting into her neck. Could be making this all up so I free you. Blood trickles down her throat. It doesn't stop him. Nothing will stop him. He will make her tell him, no matter what tortures he has to invent. Follow the river round its east banks, she says, her voice a crushed whisper. There's a willow grove. Cross to the other side and you'll see a cottage in the glen. He drops her hard to the ground, then kneels over her on all fours, his face and chest turning hairier, hairier, his voice a hot-mouthed hiss. If she isn't there, I'll find you and rip out your bones. Mommy, Daddy, too. He slashes his claws across her cheek to mark her. Then he starts to run. Soon, she hears the scamper of wolves caught unawares, loping after their leader. Relief. So much relief as she hustles away. Not because she's free. Relief because she isn't beautiful anymore. Her cheek carved up. The sign of a girl who strayed from the path. She can imagine her mother's and father's faces upon her return. First joy, then pity. For who would want such a girl? The town's offering, sent in sacrifice, sent in submission, but too willful to play the part. Bad girl, they'll whisper. Broke the rules. Other girls might get ideas. No, no, no. Better to be eaten by wolves. Even her mother and father would agree. Only it's not her mother and father she's going to see. Grandmother's house is a short distance to the west. Wolves run quicker, of course, but she sent them east, around the river, which even at the fastest pace will take a fair bit of time. She pries between trees, tangled in darkness, but the fear is gone. She takes time to marvel at the forest, the jackknife of branches, the kiss of the underbrush, the blinking jewels of eyes in the dark. Red hooded serpents rear their heads at the blood-colored girl slithering past. It is not enough for the wolves to rule this kingdom into which they are born, she thinks. They want more, a suffering of innocence, a thrill of entitlement, a plunder of something they're not meant to have. Careful, she reminds herself. Sensing she's slowed, a ravenous male moves faster than a girl thinks. Soon she hears the burbling of water. The river batters her gently as she fords the shallows, fish catching in the tail of her hood before she sets them free. Through the hickory grove and past the fern field lies the red-leafed clearing and the old wood cottage, its two small windows moonlit like glowing eyes, the eaves coated in gray moss like fur. She's only been to Grandmother's house a few times, and the last long ago, but still she remembers the way like a cat that knows the way home. Knock, knock. She does it quietly, in case the wolves have spies. Knock, knock. The door opens. Grandmother's there, her face a shriveled prune, her bee-colored hair hacked short. She has a fat scar under her eye, her mouth twisted in a scowl. She takes one look at her granddaughter, sniffs at the wounds on her cheek. Come inside, she says. Follow the trail spittle through the willow grove. A ring of wolves around the house, backs arched, teeth gnashed, starving for the scraps their leader promised. They are tired, resentful of a fine meal given up. They would revolt if they had the spine. The leader bides his time, rising onto two feet, shaking off dirt as his fur recedes, combing his cubic curl hair as he approaches the door. The perfect gentleman collar. The door is open for him. He enters lightly. His pale, hairy feet scrape along the floorboards. He isn't used to working for a supper, 
He isn't used to being upright, but there is thrill in it, pretending to be tame. A fire cast's watchful glow over the room, spitting sparks at him. Snap, snap, snap. The house is old and stale, nothing worth noticing. A thick old broomstick, a bluebird clock out of rhythm, a blanket over a lump on a rocking chair, an empty basket on a table, some crumbs of cheese. But it is the bed in the corner that is fresh and full, a figure shrouded in milk-white veils. Who's there? she says. Your prince, says he. Come closer. He obeys, his mouth silvery wet. My, what wrinkled skin you have, he says. A witch's spell, better to hide my youth and beauty. Come closer. But what cloudy eyes you have, he says. Better to see into a prince's soul. Come closer. But what shriveled lips you have, he says. Better to kiss my prince with and break the spell. The veil of the bed falls. The boy kisses old grandmother's lips, thirsty for his reward. Yet no spell is broken. Instead, old bones crack. She cackles in his face, laughs and laughs and laughs. She sees what he really is, an impotent beast. His eyes go jagged. He bares his teeth, the mask of a boy shamed. She knows what that means. He'll kill and kill until he's drunk, until he forgets what he's done. One leap and he's on the bed. Skin become fur, boy become wolf. Should have checked that rocking chair. The knife impales his heart and he spins in shock, faced with the girl in a hood red as his blood, more beautiful than he remembered. His cry sends the other wolves running in, but they are too starved to fight. Grandmother bashes them with her broom. Snap, snap, snap. Together they fall, these wicked changelings howling to their death. But triumph and disaster often ring the same. Far away, villagers leave the forest, trusting their sacrifice complete. Each year, a new girl is marked, her door slashed with warning. On the first day of spring, she hears the wolves call. The villagers marshal her to the forest. She kisses mother and father goodbye. Quavering, she goes into the dark, follows the path like she's told. But at the end of the path, there are no wolves. Instead, she finds a house filled with girls just like her, beauties who've left beauty behind. An old woman brings her to the table. Girls gather round, join hands like a pack. The old woman smiles beneath her red hood. She was a girl too once. Together, they raise heads and howl. Wondering what happens next? Check out Beasts and Beauty, Dangerous Tales by Soma Chinani. Available in multiple formats at www.houstonlibrary.org.